Hi, and welcome to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This is a podcast dedicated to everything sci-fi, be it film, uh, television, books, video games. We'll talk about it, we'll dissect it, and tell you what we think about it. I am Colin Brandon. I'm Jason Schultz. I am Ben Young. Mark Botker. Eric Botker. And Matt Botker. Well, oh, there's God. a lot of Botkers. There's three of them. There's, Help us. That's cute. <laughs> there's more, but uh, we didn't invite them to this. Um, so anyways, uh, we are making this podcast uh, just about almost to the day, one month after The Force Awakens released, and we decided it's about time that we review it. So I think it'd be proper to start off talking about Star Wars, just in general, and how we feel about it and what it's meant to us over the span of our lifetime. Uh, Jason, if you want to start it off. Well, yes, Colin, I will start it off. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was so proper. People are like, oh, this is a very proper podcast, and then they're going to like be a half hour later. <laughs> so Star Wars, to me, uh, basically, that was one of those things where I remember watching the original movies with my dad, as I'm sure everyone had the similar experience. Definitely. That's what got me into science fiction and kind of started me on that path to where, you know, I, I found, hey, I really enjoy this. I really like these themes. I really like exploring, you know, different universes, which you can do in science fiction, which you can't do in a lot of other things. So um, to me, that's kind of what Star Wars is. It's a legacy it's a great story, and that's why I was really excited when I found out that they were going to do a new trilogy, even though, you know, George Lucas's involvement was not quite what it was with the rest of the series. Um, it's not a bad thing. Not necessarily, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll talk about. Ben, how about you? Well, for me, what I've always loved the most about Star Wars, and, and Colin, we've talked about this a little bit before, is that Star Wars isn't your traditional sci-fi Sci-fi is always super, like, bright and by-the-books sci-fi, or very dark and very kind of Battlestar Galactica sci-fi. So, and I feel like Star Wars is, is a genre on its own, almost, a little bit. It's a, it's a space opera, it, but really, if you think about it, like, what other significant uh, space from, opera have we ever from, had? Like, Flash Gordon, it really was kind of, like, the first successful space opera i would say and continues to stand in a league of its own especially in an era where sci-fi is so prevalent you know there, right. nothing will ever compare to star wars it, it didn't just uh define uh sci-fi it redefined film i mean before before star wars film had kind of reached its peak and star wars bumped it up to the next level and it continued on its way i mean my dad always talked about growing up and there were all these cool sci-fi movies and but they were all like they were cool but they were like chintzy and like kind of cheesy and they were they were walking into Star Wars expecting the same experience and then he said like the second the movie started and the ship just barrels over the screen uh, he just like he said his mouth just fell open and he's well, like that, he was enraptured from that's then, funny because that, that you even pointed that moment out because I think that's a moment if you went through and you asked just random people you took them off the street yeah, right. especially people that saw it originally in 77 when the first movie came out like my mom has told me that story yeah. my dad's <laughs> told me that Same. story it's like when you saw you know 
the ship flying over the screen, and it was just like you were immediately just taken to another place. You know what I mean? Well, well, first it's the Rebel cruiser, and then you're like, or the frigate rather. The you're like, runner, yeah. you're like, oh, that's really fucking cool. And then it's mm. the yeah. Yeah. Star Destroyer. <laughs> like, oh shit! Holy shit! Why is he shooting? Yeah. yeah. Speaking no, I, of, I loved how they kind of flipped that a little bit in the in the new one. No, it was like yeah. the same kind of like trope, but it was darkness it was like enveloping the screen with the darkness right it was so cool it was the same thing but different but you, you could tell that was uh, in a way that felt like that was the uh the spielberg influence of jj J. abrams <laughs> at that moment for some reason i just got a, a hard whiff of uh spielberg which you catch all throughout the <laughs> hard yeah, you can always hard he makes a hard lot of nods towards spielberg in the... yeah. I, well i mean abrams directed a whole movie to spielberg, spielberg it was uh, a love letter super to him. eight was yeah. yeah it was just like i love you but super eight was a good movie i will say I, it was it was very, very much so very good. i enjoyed it uh definitely hard with the spielberg in that one <laughs> so wait before before we move on so we're all kind of agreed here like star wars legitimized like sci-fi to all to our generation sort of. uh yeah well, well we we kind of grew up in an interesting period which was after they were released in theaters mm-hmm. but it was you know we were born and we started growing up before the prequel trilogy was released so we we still had like this nice comfortable spot of Star Wars that meant so much to us. Yeah. yeah. And then we still could get excited about the new Star Wars films. Yeah. And yeah. I, there was still that romanticism from the original trilogy. Right. Yeah. And we didn't have, you know, the the good and the bad of the prequel trilogy. Right. Like that hadn't even come yet. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there weren't as many people that were kind of jaded by that yet. It was kind of like, oh, well, yeah. The there were parts about the prequel trilogy that I, I loved. That oh, I agree. They were defining to that I agree, saga. Absolutely. Uh, but if you look back, I think a lot of people, you know, people that had seen the movie when it originally came out in the 70s, the 80s. It didn't have the same effect. It, well, you, you almost look back at those movies, especially in that time frame in the 90s, really, and, and you kind of, they, they were held to an even higher standard, I think, than they are even now. You know, now that they're yeah. part of a seven-movie saga versus before, like, that was it. That was those three right. movies, but they were held in such a high regard. Whereas now, you know, with the prequels, whether you liked them or you didn't like them, it's kind of like that mm. added another layer of complexity to the story. It, it kept the torch. Of the movies. It kept the torch burning. Yeah. To get us to this point, you know. That's true. Now, a point of contention for me was always when it hit that point, and he put out the re-releases with all of the digital oh, editions yeah. of the original <laughs> trilogy. That the very movies that we all grew up right idolizing. It and then he just made those tweaks that when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, all right. Okay, he added this right there, and that's that's okay. that's great. That's an extra animal. That's a that's a whole new story, a whole oh, the new ex- species. The, the X-Wings great. have definition as they're taking off. This is great, you know, but it, at so, the end of the day, it, it was kind of unnecessary. And it felt so unnatural yeah, looking compared back. to the rest of the film. And then you have this looks so out of a place. CGI, it's... like, dinosaur just, like, Standing on his his haunches, and you're it just is like, weird. Oh, right. But at the time, I remember watching. You know, I, I'd seen all the movies when I was young, and then kind of had gone back again. Um, you know, I did like a marathon, like late two thousands of all six movies, and I went back and rewatched all the digitally like retouched original movies, and it was just like jarring. Like I remember watching them when yeah. I was younger, and it didn't really phase me that much because you don't really have an eye for those type of details mm-hmm. when you're that young. And I rewatch it. I'm just like, 
George, what are you doing? Yeah, he just know. looks so busy. He just crams as much as he can in there. Yeah. Well, and something like I know it's I know it's like a hustle and bustle place. Like it's a busy place, and he wanted to add more character to it. But it just seems so busy. Like he just he just added so many unnecessary things that mm-hmm, like just yeah. draw you away from what you're supposed to be thinking about at that moment. It didn't fit De- with the tone of yeah. Yeah. the earlier movies. Definitely, and something I've noticed. I w- went back and cause someone posted this on Reddit which was an hour-long behind-the-scenes of the making of episode one. And I didn't watch... I watched about 35 minutes before I, I cringed so much that I had to just go to bed. It, you could tell George Lucas isn't confident in himself well, mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And he has no idea what he's doing. And he, no one is willing to tell this guy no because he gave us such an amazing thing. I once read something that was like, George Lucas is like your father-in-law. You appreciate him and you love him for what he's given to you, but you kind of wish he would just go away now. You appreciate him for what he's made. But you're, you're right. So uh, <laughs> you may you may have just touched on the entire like issue with the like the gap between the the uh, original trilogy and then the prequel is that in the original trilogy people knew when to say when because he wasn't such an established director, and then now you know once he made the prequel. He had just too Total much control. Strain. That's right. definitely that's, that's it. A good, that's a good point. But I, I, I recently heard that originally Lucas wanted to make uh, a Flash Gordon series or Flash Gordon movies. Really? He, wanted. he couldn't get the approval to make it, mm-hmm. so he made his own thing. He made Star Wars. But at the end of the day, Star Wars was never what he wanted, and he was yeah. always trying to make it better. Yeah. That's why he kept going back. I've also heard a theory that... Because apparently his at the time wife, soon oh, yeah. the ex wife during episode four, uh, did most of the editing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and made that original Star Wars what it that was. was. That's yeah. not a theory. That's true. Yeah, that's so very true. It, apparently, him true. constantly changing it all throughout. You know, the nineties and the aughts, as I like to call them, uh, was him trying to put his own staple on the the finished hmm. product. From what I understand, he's a great writer. But no. yeah, and it, no, no, his dialogue is is dialogue utter is crap. Great. But I think Jar Jar Binks here's dialogue. The, here's the thing that Lucas is. He's an idea guy. Lucas is, is 100% an idea guy. And that's what I, you've got to admire about him. I don't like him. We love him. I'll say it. I'll that say universe. that. It's, he created but, that universe. Exactly. That we love. I love him for his ideas. The, the, the broad stroke. Gosh, but then what exactly. is he that's not? Lucas. Is he's the broad an idea stroke. guy. I'm, I'm, what is he not? He's he, not he's style. He doesn't have... Maybe I mean, when I, when he I doesn't say a great writer, it doesn't necessarily mean dialogue line to line. He's like, a great story writer. He, like, I was reading this like long thread where people were talking about pretty much how his wife was his main editor and his idea man that he would go to and bounce things off of. So, yeah, it's like you were saying. He, he writes the basis for all these cool things. He had a lot of talented and interesting people to like, bounce his ideas off of and help him shape Star Wars. Then by the time it got to the prequel trilogy, yeah, he had so much power and he tried to like Scorsese it, where he would take control of every single role. Even if someone was sitting there doing the work, he's telling them, I want this move to here. I was watching that same documentary that you're talking about, and it was a scene where he's just sitting there next to the video editor. Yeah. And he's just saying, I want you to splice this and clip it so that these <laughs> yeah. two characters are sitting down at the same time. He literally cut the scene. He had them split out one part, and then fast forward it, and then split another part and slow it down. So these two characters... We're sitting down at the same time. And he does with cinematics what Scorsese does with like sound sometimes. He didn't give any pause. There weren't there there wasn't just a scene of like the Millennium Falcon taking off 
into orbit, and it was just a good like six, seven seconds of it taking off to give you a break from everything going on so you can appreciate the transition to the next scene. Instead, there was like two creatures fighting in the prequel. I'm saying, you know, there were two creatures fighting like a, you know, some weird frog-like creature eating a cockroach thing right. in the foreground because he didn't want to have a silent... But if you have that, you can't then like enter the cantina scene and appreciate how busy and, you know, exotic... Right, I got yeah. You, yeah, because the streets, I mean, this is like a desert kind of unpopulated planet yes the cantina is bustling because it's everybody who's there is stopping for a drink yeah the streets aren't supposed to be as packed as he made them when he digitally added like 50 things going on you need contrast you need that contrast and that he had the perfect scenario for it he just didn't allow it uh Needless to say, he's made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> we don't want to turn this into the trash Lucas hour. <laughs> I mean, I honestly... Well, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I don't know if anyone saw the interview he did, the, the Charlie Rose interview, the infamous oh. one now, with the, uh, the the white slaver comments that he made. Oh, so, no! You know, I, you know what? I but it was that... actually interesting to me because what it did was it kind of gave you a glimpse into... George Lucas's mind and his mindset in 2016. It kind of like, for me, it it illuminated like some of the some of his thought process in terms of like selling the series and what he really thought about it and like what he wants to do going forward. And it's kind of interesting because I definitely think you know he's got the love and like the passion for the story still, but I think mm-hmm. like I think Ben just said a little bit ago, he's just not confident. He's not confident that he can. He can handle that series and produce something that the fans now, the legions of fans, are going to love. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's almost he's been eclipsed trilogy, by his own success. The, the, you know, now he says yeah. he wants to make art films and these really small right, scale right. films. Which I hope he Which does. I mean, yeah, you know, more power to him. I, I, you know, wish him the best with that. But it's just That's you got to wonder. He's gone from now one extreme to the next just because of those. Yeah. The, the reaction to the, the prequel trilogy. Okay, well, and I feel like this is a good transition let's into... Seg- let's segue into... Okay, so he sells, he sells the franchise to Disney for $4 billion. And what does Disney do? They, they market explode. The shit out they market the hell out of it. They already have uh, three... Two being filmed right now. Uh, one just came out. Three in pre-production. Three in pre-production. They're they're exploding. I it's... bought my Kylo Ren build a bear. I would love so. So that's all I'm saying. This brings us to the the first release from the Disney Star Wars, mm-hmm. The Force Awakens. Uh, just real quick, how did you like the movie? Spoiler alert! You're spoiling it. Yeah, I should say spoiler alert. Uh, if um, if you haven't seen the movie yet, get out. And <laughs> pretty much. Every sense of how you think he means that. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, just, just get out. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, movie, yeah, you're listening to the wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, come back when you have seen it, and you, because I don't want to ruin it for you Hit if you haven't seen button. it. Hit the pause go button. Hit the pause button. Go see movie the movie. Theater. You know, and I mean, if you're listening to a sci-fi podcast, you're a sci-fi fan, and as a sci-fi fan, I would hope that within the month of its release, you you went and saw Star Wars. I understand time can be rough, but just go see Star Wars. Colin, Just don't do it. the audience. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, here's, here's the thing. So going into this, I was so happy 
Because for once, like, yes, some people would argue the prequel trilogy is our generation's, you know, first trilogy now. But, you know, we got we got the prequel trilogy. We were alive for it. But I don't really, wasn't old enough to really understand what I was getting on one hand. And on the other hand, I, I wasn't old enough to really appreciate it. And so when I, I remember seeing The Force Awakens the first time, the moment the crawl comes up, and I know it's the same for all of you, I got this big, stupid 10-year-old smile on my yes. face. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is what it felt like in the 70s. This was what they, you know, except, well, we've been waiting for it, so I, I can only assume that it's better for us. <laughs> oh, this, no, you know what? This was returning to home. That's exactly. what that was. That's returning. It, and it, that's, in the prequels, everything. When that went up, you were home. It was weird. This definitely, they, they drew you in with so many beautiful parallels and it's not just the lucas liking it to be like a poem where everything repeats but it had the same feel to it the dialogue had the same cadences the yeah. like it's the, the humor the humor was, oh yeah the humor was one of the big things i must really say without the right. uh without the 20th century fox fanfare yeah that that kind of threw, I was waiting for that even though i knew they would i knew they weren't going to do it it's, it's not yeah. by 20th century fox anymore but Without it, it was kind of weird. I was hoping Disney would kind of like replicate it in some way with like a castle. And yeah, right. <laughs> but they, maybe a princess like our Tinkerbell or something. But no, it's occurring to me they did they did that on purpose. A lot of the critique I hear about uh, the Force Awakens is about the fact that they touched on so many of the tropes that were present in the first film. Well, would have become tropes because of that film. Uh, and they they touched on that because they didn't want to dance around that issue. Ninety percent of people seeing that movie are there because they've seen another Star Wars film. Right. They didn't want to pretend like that wasn't what was going on. So at least this first film, they wanted to play on all of the scenes. Fan service, start to finish. Exactly. Was. They wanted to do that, and they may expand and go out and you know really branch out in the next two films. But they have to touch on that. They have to hit it head on and say, you're all here because of the Death Star. You're all here because of this little, like, n nice, you know, uh, three-person, tr this trio of, of wonderful this adventures. This cute little droid making fun noises. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. Um, they want to just well, hit it head on. Apparently, Kasdan has said that it's going to be the the episode 8 I'm saying is going to be the weirdest Star Wars film you've ever seen which makes me so excited I'm right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. down for that yeah. I'm like what does weird mean because Kasdan is weird, weird. Yeah. so if, if episode 8 is weird to him what does that even mean what, what, was, the, what, was, what was the joke the hateful BB-8 the hateful BB-8 8 BB-8s roaming the countryside as bounty hunters the hateful BB-8 oh god I'd go see it I, I liked it I, I, yeah I would yeah, Alright, so. As long as Samuel Jackson is one of them. Like, <laughs> the force goes But it's just him making the beat. Oh my god. It would be. Mace window. It would be like that Clone Wars episode. If you've ever seen that in season six, I believe. Five or six. I have. I can't vouch for anyone else. Where it's it's a it's a group of droids led by R two and some oh, little yeah, frog yeah. dude, yeah. and they go on this mission. But it was an and it's an episode. It, it was, was great it, episode. it was a four episode arc that went on entirely longer than it should have. It was interesting for a time, but I just imagine right, that's yeah. what we would be seeing. Yeah. It's just uh, a, a tiny Friday frog throne. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> 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 
So uh, <laughs> now that we're here, let's talk about hi doggy. Um, let's talk about <laughs> our initial uh, uh, just feelings and opinions of of the movie before we break it down. Really. Mm. Uh, well, I liked it. We'll start. I, yeah. <laughs> I have to say my because when I first saw the film, honestly, first impression was I was a little disappointed, but. That totally flipped for me in the weeks since I've seen the film. Yeah, I realized what I just said a minute ago. So I hate to rehash it, but they were hitting head on. They were saying, "You guys are all Star Wars fans. We can do exactly what you what you wanted to see. Exactly what this film used to be. So they could go weird for the next film. Now, so they can really question branch out. for you." How many times did you see the movie? Did you see it once? Did you see it two times, three times? Five we should times, go around the times? circle and say yeah, how many times we've okay. seen it. I'm just curious. I, I've count only up seen how it once because I really okay. want to let it. Personally, I really want to let it sink in and really just develop my opinion of the film before I go see it yeah. a second time. I like that. So, yeah, my my initial opinion was the same as yours. Mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed. I didn't walk out of the first you know screening that I had in the movie. Just, you know, fists in the air. Yeah, this was amazing. This was great. I enjoyed it, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, you know, I I think I even told some people, like, that's not the best movie I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. But I liked it. I I had problems with it, you know, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, like, to me, my opinion of the film changed dramatically on the second viewing. I watched it another time, and I've only seen it twice, but on the second time through, by the end, I was like, Okay, I get it. And I kind of yeah. came to a lot of the same conclusions you did. Yeah. But it was mostly based on that uh, second viewing. Well, I could say that I uh, have seen it five times. Me uh, too, buddy. Don't ask me. <laughs> five times. <laughs> five times club. But uh, don't, don't ask me how many time, how much money I've given Disney, aside yeah. from just uh, seeing the movie. <laughs> but, uh, I couldn't I couldn't. Just because it. of Star Wars. Couldn't but, it up. No, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, um, I the, the Disney it. princess porn that you buy, that's not the same thing. That's not <laughs> Yeah, it's the same companies. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. By the way, do you guys realize that Ray is like basically a Disney princess now? Oh no! Oh, yeah. Well, it depends yeah. who her parents are. Okay. Oh. So, yeah. weird real Thus far, Leia is a Disney princess. Thus far, we, we've got two of our reactions to the. the well, movie. I would so. say I would say I saw I've seen it five times. Yeah. Um. I'd say between one, the first time and the fourth time, the movie got better every time I saw it. The fifth time, I mean, I was like half asleep. But uh, a friend dragged me out there. I didn't want to see it. But yeah, your first friend, reaction, my first initial first, reaction the first time was you saw it, that okay, Thursday. Pre-release. My first initial reaction was, oh, thank God, JJ didn't fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> that was my reaction. Was he didn't ruin it? Yeah, yeah. That, I loved it. I I thought it was, I thought it was great. It was. It had everything that I would want to see out of a Star Wars film. Um, not everything that I'd want to see, but everything that was in there, I was... I wanted to see. So, um... <coughs> I was just so thankful that it wasn't a bad movie. It was a yeah. good movie. And that's that's exactly where I was. I went into the movie literally bouncing. Like, my mm-hmm. knees wouldn't stop bouncing before the film started. I was so giddy. Yeah. And I laughed. Just... I felt fulfilled. It was right. good. It mm-hmm. was exactly what it didn't I break your heart. wanted. Yes, it had that. You know, you were laughing. <laughs> we're you... gonna rehash what what what, uh, what Eric said with. Uh, I walked the, after the, like the second or third time that I I watched it. I was like, this this really is them saying, what is what does Han say to Chewie? You know, we're home. That's mm-hmm. what they wanted to deliver to the fans. Mm-hmm. You're home. 
everything that happened before this with the prequels, everything else, just just let it go. Let it go, relax. The very first line of the movie, this will begin to make things right. Yeah. No, <laughs> that, that literally wrote yeah. it like that. And it, it's just like, okay. That's great. Trust, yeah, trust, trust, trust us. You didn't trust notice that? Wow. No, I did not. I, I caught yeah. that the second trust, time. No, <laughs> I've only seen it twice. Trust, so. well, and that's everyone. the thing, though, too. On my second viewing... Because I already knew what was going to happen. I knew all the story beats. I, I was familiar with the plot line and everything else yeah. like that. I really was able to focus on the little things, all the details and you know the little things that they, they put in with the production design that really like made me go in some of those parts like, oh, okay, this is okay to me now because I get what they were trying to do. Yeah. Like what Ben just said, you know, this is going to make things right. Like I caught that reference and, and the part of me that was like, you know, still kind of like, oh, about the prequels is like, Oh, okay, yeah, good on you, too. I feel better about it because I caught it, but I didn't catch it the first time I saw it. I don't remember, is it Siddow or... It's Siddow. Siddow says, he hands hands the map to Luke Skywalker. I've seen this five times. (laughs) He hands the map to Luke Skywalker, to, uh, to Luke Skywalker, to Oscar Isaac, and says, this will begin to make things right. I could probably redo this whole movie for you guys. I like what enthusiasm is, but we need to hear from Mark. <laughs> That's fine. You haven't heard from me yet, but whatever. Go, oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I said it, damn. <laughs> yeah, I was I was blown away. I was ecstatic when I walked out of there. It was every bit of, of like Star Wars that I wanted out of it. And I I never saw the things as like rehashings. I I just assumed it was like a story plot. I always thought of it as like they were arrogant. Like we can we can do what the Empire did, but better. We're going to redo mm-hmm. this, but we're going to do it our way, and we're going to do it right this time. Right. And we're not going to fuck it the up. There, there, there's going, arrogance to it. We you know? could do what the rebellion did, but worse. There's less of us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see Hux in the meeting where he's just like, all right, uh, so Snoke? Yeah. All right, so remember how the Empire did that, like, big space station thing? Yeah. And then they did it a second time. It was bigger. Yeah, they both blew up. Yes, but I found the issue. Uh-huh. They weren't a planet. (laughs) (laughs) There were no trees. Aggressive. I love it. (laughs) Death Star. Let's be the death of a star. (laughs) Like that's just that was the part of the downfall of the Empire the first time. Like they were just uh, there was the the downfall of the Death Star in particular. Like the downfall of the dark side. Yeah. Oh, even with the trench run, the trench run, everything was just. A huge homage to the last one, but it was oh, to absolutely. get people reinvested were, into the series. Definitely, like things about it, but I like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wasn't offended by it. I wasn't considering it as like a oh, this is just oh, reused material. No, I like, loved it. I, I thought it was great. What Mark yeah. is saying is it's justifiable through the plot. Yeah, it's not just there to be there. The plot yeah. works for it. Yeah, it's no, not, and it also hurt. creates this idea that the force brings these same people together. It brings these same just factions against each other. It's yeah. always the same things Through repeating. Through Oh, of course. I mean, without <laughs> metachlorians, nothing would exist. But <laughs> Not even Master Yoda has a metachlorian Let, Let's be real here. <laughs> Disney knows, the filmmakers know that the average uh, person is going to see this film multiple times. So they may even be factoring in saying, like, okay, on your first run, you're going to get this sense of comfort from the film, and then on your second time seeing it, you're going to notice these things. They know we're going to do that. This is their job. They they recognize that that's going to happen, that there are going to be layers to this film that are going to be unraveled as you see it multiple times that's throughout ex- your life. That's exactly it, honestly. Because so What was your reaction? Well, because honestly, the first time I saw it, 
I was in the same boat of a little bit of disappointment, almost. Not not super disappointment. I felt fulfilled. But, you know, as usual, I was like, this didn't live up to the hype. Something was missing. I, I It was hyped too much for me. This is just how I, it, was, <laughs> it was going to happen. And then I saw it. I've seen it five times, like I said. And then I saw it the second time. And I was like, wow. And it just felt better and better every time. And the fourth time, I caught a line that I've missed the last four times. Which was great, which was Han saying move ball to BBA. Yeah, I noticed I that. Missed that really? I missed that four times. I didn't notice yeah. that, yeah. He, yeah. he yeah. kicks him. He's like, move ball. Right. Like, that's great. <laughs> and it, we wonder why, because it got better, because it felt more normal. It felt more like, normal. Felt I remember normal. you said that it, to it, me it, once. It's a part of the Star Wars saga at this point. Every time you, every, each time you watch it, it just feels more a part of the saga. It's the next phase. Because let's face it, what it, is. it, it's still, you know, it's different. It feels like Star Wars, but it's still different. And it was still very much Abrams. It's very... It feels like if Spielberg directed... I mean, if Abrams directed a, a Star Wars movie. <laughs> well, so so now there, there's kind of an interesting thing I've noticed. So there's six people in this room right now, three of which walked out of the theater the first time loving it, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I loved it. I was just saying I'm glad he didn't screw it up. I enjoyed it. So, so three of the people in this room left with you know, more or less positive. Positive. You know, the, I think the other three people, from what it sounds like, were, were you know, mostly positive, but still kind of, like, had some problems with it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's right down the middle, you know. I wouldn't say it's bad movie. I wouldn't oh. say, well, you know, It was well made. It was well made. Definitely, but, you know, I, I wasn't trying to break it apart on the first viewing and sit there and say, oh, these are all these problems and all these plot holes, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But same thing. I, I, I left feeling happy. But I wasn't, I, I wasn't completely fulfilled. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the second viewing left me feeling more so. I mean, it was the same story. I witnessed the same events happening, but I don't know what, I don't really know what transpired in that second viewing though that made me just feel content with it. The spe- where I, I left it and I was like, okay, what? yeah. The it's spectacle because, disappeared. It, yeah, it, no, because you watched the entire to that first time. You watched the entire time on the edge of your sh- seat, not knowing what's going to happen. And I mean, when you judge something as you first see it, you tend to get the wrong impression without yeah. analyzing it further. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you went in the second time and you actually like put on your critical analyzing glasses, you uh, you actually appreciated it more. Mm-hmm. Which I think that says something to the film itself. As Definitely, being a good film is when you can analyze it critically. You enjoyed it more. There are definitely things I picked up on the second time, but I was still like, I don't know, I was so happy when I walked out the first time. <laughs> it's okay, you're a real like, Star Wars fan, that's just, all. <laughs> just seeing it, seeing it, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it more the second time, I definitely caught some things I didn't see, but that, that first experience was so great. I remember even walking out and being like, God, I'm so happy. There were, yeah. This and this was Yelling weird. in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, looking at you. This, it was so good. This and this was weird. But I don't even care because I loved yeah. the whole yeah. movie so much. I was blown away. Even the things that bothered me about it, I just was like, I don't fucking care. It was a great Star Wars movie, yeah. so that, whatever. That's kind of how I left it, too. Like, just walking out, just happy that everything came together. It was a good plot. It was... I liked the character work. I loved the dialogue. The humor was there. I I didn't feel disappointed in any way. Even with the cliffhanger ending, uh, which is just one of the most epic stare downs I've ever seen in film, but they gave you a beginning, middle, and end. In a way, there was a conclusion to it. Mm-hmm. 
Even mm-hmm. though they're, they're completely set up for you know the next two films. Oh, absolutely. But there was wait, they're making more. Apparently, <laughs> 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 like Disney didn't just buy the rights to one film. Yeah. I'm gonna be the bad guy, and I'm gonna gripe. After five viewings, I still have a gripe, and that gripe is they shouldn't have shown Luke at all. Not one bit. I the movie should have ended. That or showed him more. more. The movie should have ended. If they wanted to end it the way they should have, the movie should have ended the moment the Falcon jumped to hyperspace. Yes. Close credits. Done. My favorite moment yeah. in this movie is the last 30 seconds. The last 30 seconds, yeah. oh. the second time I saw this movie almost had me in tears. Because I feel like that just that stare between Ray and Luke... And all, just the sense of history and the sense of weight. It isn't only the sense of the history and the weight of these characters that we've been hearing about in this two-hour-long movie. For me, I really felt, I don't know if this is just a you know subjective thing or whatever, but I really felt the weight of this 30-plus-year series. Like, no. I felt the saga. I agree Just to look. Yeah. You know, Mark yeah. Hamill, for 30 yeah. seconds, just to stare. I've like, give this man the Oscar. He earned his money. <laughs> yeah. That's all he had to do. You felt it. And if they, and what were they gonna do? See, here's the thing. I agree with I agree with you initially, but then like you get to the next film, what do you do? Do you have that moment, that moment that we all felt at the end of the film? Do you have it at the very beginning Ooh, of the film? That would be clumsy at the beginning. Well, it would be no, clumsy at the beginning. But if you did at the end, ahead. it would be just don't jump ahead a little bit between the end of that one and the next one. That's what I think is going to you happen. You have to jump just a little bit because if it, if the next one begins with them staring at each other, you can. It's silly. <laughs> well, but we have Luke Skywalker. If you do it at the end, it's silly also. The so opening also, crawl will be Luke Skywalker and Ray are now staring also, at each other. Also, Ray is yeah. sitting in a giant like backpack on Ray's back, and like <laughs> Ray heard you flip. I will be sorely. Ray's gonna be <laughs> like space ramen. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what's gonna happen. Like, I, that's okay, what's gonna happen. Okay, I, so, just, I, I like what you did with it was your favorite scene. Why don't we go about that? Ooh, you say your favorite scene. Uh, favorite and least favorite at the same time. Favorite and least favorite. Um, we could try that. My favorite scene, I will say, is when uh, Kylo Ren has uh, just severely injured uh, Finn on this gigantic death planet, <laughs> um, and he's he puts his lightsaber away and he's trying to call upon the Force, and it's just this classic scene from Empire Strikes Back when Luke is trying to call upon the Force uh, when he's in that cave and you see it shaking mm-hmm. and he's struggling you're like oh wow I, I thought he was stronger than that and then it flies past him and then Ray, she's in like this epic like stance is just holding it like I can't believe I just did that <laughs> and that the, you know John Williams on point with uh, with the Force theme I guess you can almost call the it the Skywalker theme that's it, that's it, it, that's binary sunset, theme? man. That's binary sunset. It's almost synonymous at this point. Skywalker. That's the, that's the name of the song. No women. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> the music, the music keys, and and the snow falling, and you, I mean, yeah. we now know scene. that it was on a soundstage. I think that was probably my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, my least favorite scene was probably the uh, the CGI uh, mm. uh, rat. I think that's going rat, to be a theme going around the circle here. Oh, no. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. We can have multiple votes I, for the worst scene. Yeah. I'm expecting I, a lot of votes for the best scene, too. I, oh, so I gave my best scene, right? So, which I agree. A couple other scenes in the movie I really liked, thought were really effective. The Luke scene was my favorite just because 
I was one of those people who I love Mark Hamill. I love mm-hmm. everything Mark Hamill has done in the interim since the original trilogy. Yeah. I wanted to see a lot of Mark Hamill in this movie, but I kind of knew going into it, if they do any Mark Hamill, it's going to be towards the end. And I knew, because I you know, checked my, uh, my watch, and I was like, okay, there's ten minutes left to the movie. I'm not going to get a lot of Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> when you know Ray goes through, uh, does the the jump, and she winds up on whatever planet uh, you know Luke Skywalker's on. Some are thinking Dantooine, New Zealand, by the way. I think <laughs> on the planet Ireland. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that we were only going to get like 30 seconds of Mark Hamill but I figured it was going to be really cool special reveal which it ended up being mm-hmm. so that's definitely my favorite scene um, my least favorite scene which is probably not I don't know if you guys will share this one but the one that just did not work for me mm-hmm. and then I still have problems with is the scene where Han Solo and General Leia sit there and kind of like have their uh reconnection and they talk about kylo ren what because to me if you if you just look at the scene the dialogue is like so on point it just didn't really work for me <laughs> so so you're so used to seeing these characters with terrible dialogue it's, that it well, doesn't no, work it was, no, but, no but that's the thing it, it, it i think it has less to do with what they actually were saying in the scene and more to do with how it was cut but that's something you know, we can but, agree to disagree but that was really the only scene that bothered me because it was just like Okay, you haven't seen Han in, you know, however long it's been, you know, five years, two years, one year, ten years, we don't know. They were just so on point with what they were talking about. Oh, we lost our son forever. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, that was right. even bad. But, you know, that, that was like the one-line dialogue in the movie. I was just like... And I will say, though, it felt like they've had that conversation time and time again. Like, they tried working through this and kept talking about the same things over and over and over and ended up like where he just was like this isn't getting anywhere and split and i felt that's why why i felt it was so almost scripted was because it was something they've been talking about and have had problems with for Mm -hmm. such a long time that could be i could see that's 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 the feeling i got from the Mm -hmm. scene which is my only scripted but it brought a sense of realism to the film it was like okay we we've tried this again and again. They're like the divorced couple. They're yeah. the, you know what I mean. It was it was very it was very like powerfully. It did draw you away from the film a little bit uh, by being so just like brash. But it was it was it was I don't know. It was it was still good, but it Oddly did draw you away from the film. So it was good and it was bad at the same time. I see. I see all points on could you God, Could you have pictured Leia and Han Solo being happily married? No. Oh, absolutely, no, absolutely not. not. Han Solo. No. I mean, <laughs> no, but I think they deal with it pretty well in the New Jedi Order. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't do. exist. Yeah, but it doesn't exist anymore. As much as I would love to just sit here and talk about the expanding no. universe, <laughs> pre-Disney purchase, it, it's... I just, I think they play in the dynamic well. I think they do, they do the... It feels like what I would expect them being married fe- would feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as he gets like really older, I mean, he definitely does like calm down quite a bit. In that, uh, I guess, previous expanded universe, but he was still Han Solo for a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he still he felt like Han, he didn't feel like a settled down Han Solo. He felt like Han Solo, oh, 100%. who was still on his adventures, but he was also like a dad and a husband. Well, it, it, like it felt it felt good. They made it. They in this uh, Force Awakens, they made, Han Solo was running away from his problems. You know, which mm-hmm. is something Han would do mm-hmm. until he confronted yeah. him at the end. 
when he literally assisted his son in stabbing himself to death. You know what I mean? Okay, he was literally stabbed. Some would so, say Han was asking for in it. Case, uh, <laughs> in case you're the idiot who hasn't seen the movie and has actually kept You were warned. Han <laughs> dies you and his warned. son kills him. Yeah. I had it spoiled for me. His son live. happens to be uh, Kylo Ren. Which yeah. is, uh, I think Han is Snow. Can we can can we continue before we drift on the uh, going on uh, to best speculation? Best that's, so, that's left for the end. So your your favorite scene and your least favorite scene. My that's favorite it. scene <laughs> is when Han and Finn and Chewie are being marched out, and then all of a sudden they look up in the distance, and he goes. It's the resistance. Oh my god. And then Poe flies in. He's got the water flying up behind him. And then, of course, my favorite shot of that scene, the single shot of Poe taking out TIE Fighter after TIE Fighter. That is a Jedi reflexes pilot, sir. I will get to it later. I'll get to it later. What's your least favorite song? You would expect me to say... The Luke scene, because I was bitching about it earlier. Yeah. But I appreciate it for what it is, because hopefully that means we can skip a year or so going into episode eight. Um, it's a day. I, I also, I don't want to say the Rathnar scene, because I enjoyed it still. I enjoyed Kanji Club. I enjoyed, like, uh, whatever the oh, other no, guys no, no, were. No. What were the other guys called? Uh, Kanji Club and the, uh, is uh, something Death Gang. The Moruvian, I don't know, some yeah, something like something well, Death Gang. Yeah, yeah, you're the right. whole scene for me. Ben, you've seen it five just, times. Yeah, right. Isn't it? I haven't seen it in a while though. I <laughs> took was, a break after five times. Just, just I saw it five times in a week. The CGI of these cool. giant fleshy balls with tentacles rolling around. I was like, that. yeah. I mean, it was cool and it was fun, but it was forgettable. And I think that's the big thing. Out of all, like, it was fun and I enjoyed it. Yeah, the worst it was scene a good, is forgettable. It was a good, well, yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, I'm, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to. Only because when I look back on the movie, that's not the scene I go to. Unless someone goes, ask Conjure Club. And I go, oh, yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> <laughs> tell that to Conjure Club. Or tell that to Conjure Club. Well, it wasn't impactful. Oh. Nothing happened. The only memorable moment is when you were like, for a split and second, Club. you were like, is something going to happen to Finn? You know what I mean? That was and the only Conjure memorable Club. and Conjure Club. Because <laughs> all the people there, that had anything happen to them during that scene were completely irrelevant. To for, the fa- yeah. for the listeners, there is a Facebook page called Conjure Club Core. Kyle Holmes shared it. Oh it's the <laughs> some, there's a post that's like this guy stole my mom's phone and keeps FaceTiming me and tells me to <laughs> tell that to Conja Club. I'm dying on all those posts. <laughs> so wait, so what was your real yeah least favorite? The Rathnars. The Rathnars. There they were. I enjoyed it. You know, for the most part, but at the end of the day, it's unforgettable. Hey, wait, explain that to a one-timer. The Rathnars? I'm sorry? The the big CGI Rath, balls. Rathnars? Rathnars? Rathgars? Oh, so that was, in fact, your least favorite Yes, thing. yeah, okay. just the, the, um, the whole monster chase thing mm-hmm. was... It was silly. It was cool to see Rey act in it and her mm-hmm. interact, but like I said, as a whole, the scene is unforgettable. Yeah. And when, it, and when that's the only scene in the whole movie that's unforgettable... As much as I enjoy it, when I when it shows up, and that's the least favorite one, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, Just, I can see. I feel like it, it could have been so much more. Yeah, that was. You had these two factions yeah. that come in, and you're like, yes, okay, let's see a Han Solo like talk his way out of it, or do some slick move or something like that, and it then it's just, just like. 
Oh, the monster got released. Yeah. Well, you know what it is, though. What it what it can be is it's expanded universe fodder now. Now That's I want true. a whole damn book on Conja Club, or I'm gonna kill someone. Like I really want was, to know yeah. Conja Club and That's the Death Gang. I want to know. I want to know the story between Han Solo dealing with them, tricking them, getting fifty grand, fifty grand for uh, from the Death Gang, and you know fifty you grand probably, from Conja Club. We will find that out in the anthology movie with. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Liam Hemsworth as Han Solo. No, the shortlist <laughs> has been revealed. Though I can look and it up James if you guys Mac want. Lando Calrissian. <laughs> James. The... God damn it! There you go. I'll, I'll look up. Right. I'll look up the shortlist while Mark you know, says was, his thing. That was, yeah. I'm going to start with worst, just because oh. we're continuing off that. That was my worst scene too. I I loved it up until it was like. Whoops! We accidentally released those guys. Wah, wah, because for this, for the same reason, it seemed like it could be so much more. It was a very like Han Solo situation that he got himself in. I forgot and, the like, line too. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but the line that Ray says, "Wrong fuse." Yeah. But the camera zooms in on her. I'm sorry and for she, interrupting. She like looks at the camera. Like, it was so it was bizarre. Corny. It, it was corny. I just. It didn't feel like a Star Wars scene. It felt like a J.J. Abrams scene, but it didn't feel yeah, like a Star awesome. Wars scene. There was enough there to almost be like its own like half hour to like forty five minute arc well, of the film, and yeah. they, they literally just threw all that at you within a ten minutes. Yeah. Time. Well, you know that Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch played the rap now, right? <laughs> <laughs> they had a, a mocap. He was like full on. Was well, he just like rolling around the yeah. studio? Yeah. Uh, he's going, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it, I, I loved it up until there, because I wanted right. to see Han work himself out of the situation. It was just a, like, wild happenstance and luck that but he got never, them to where they were at. He I never talks know. himself out of the situation. Well, but no, but he Yes, he does, every time. Like, I'm saying, like, he, he tried to talk his way out, it didn't work. And then you're expecting him to like have some backup like, because it's Han Solo. Shoot a shoot a panel and then like a door shuts or something. Exactly or a, something. Like, yeah, it, but it was just like whoops, they're in this new situation now. I don't know. It just it just seemed out of place. It, it, it jumped it jumped a little too quickly. So yeah. Han Solo was too clumsy for you, is what you're saying. He wasn't. He no, was, no, Ray got in the way. <laughs> the whole situation oh, oh. was clumsy. Han Solo wasn't clumsy, but the whole situation was clumsy. He would have found a way out of it. But it was Ray accidentally released these what creatures. You, both it, of those guys were ready to gun him down. If it wasn't for Han, would have shot if first. If it wasn't for the giant like <laughs> spaghetti and meatball monsters, spaghetti and meatball. <laughs> I just honestly think Han Solo and yeah. BB would have been toasted, and BB-8 would have been traded in for. It some, just some we we cash. get enough we get enough of a feel of the alien life in the the like Star Wars universe. We don't need this extra little bit. They seem so mysterious and cool and powerful. Locked behind doors, but they just seemed silly and goofy. Yeah, out oh, rolling geez. around the ship. No, I was, I was, wow. I was almost laughing just because of the absurdity when one of them was just like sucking on the cockpit of the uh, Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it, it just and it, that's it. It, it, took, it, it took away, away from them. Yeah, that's exactly and, it. Wow. You saw and the monsters, so it wasn't as scary. And how quickly, like, oh, can we jump to you know hyperspace inside mm -hmm. this hangar? I never asked that question until you know. Yeah. Well, I like that. No, that was a good line, but. There was no suspense. Like, obviously, they're just gonna they're gonna blast away. Yeah, everything's gonna be okay. That entire thing had no suspense for me. Yeah, as well. It, just overall, that that scene 
There was no fear for Finn it. or anything. It's the thing so eats weird. like three guys and then picks up Finn and drags Finn halfway across the ship. Yeah. Like, there are just yeah. so many things about that scene that well, in they, the first viewing hit me and stuck with me and bothered me. Well, that was the one thing that like for days afterwards I was thinking about it and like yeah. that didn't feel right. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing is there's enough things that we don't like about it compared to things we do like about that scene mm-hmm. that make it our least yeah. favorite. Now, did he put that in there so we had some like we all had a common enemy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, right. That was like the uh, bug lamp of the film. That's that, like, his jar jar. Shit on. Yeah, that's, that's his, his. He gave every one a big God. target and was like. You forget about any of the other a, mistakes. A big, now, legitimately, a big target, but he kept it in a small space. Don't compare it to Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> now, legitimately, he may that may have just given me an idea. Maybe that scene was there on purpose. Perhaps Kanja Club could be a group that oh, Kylo if, if Ren Con- hires to Conja go Club, get them. If Kanja Club or the Scottish guy, uh, Scottish guy in Star Wars, is not in the next film or next two films i will be disappointed that scene drops in quality even more right i will i will even say that that scene ups a little bit if they're in the next one definitely Every definitely does kanji club though i think of culture club they keep doing the same thing oh man okay so next okay. we're gonna hear from wait no oh, I, Mark, Mark I started i went, I went backwards because we had, i continued the the conversation because we were already yeah. talking about that scene. yeah so what's your best so my best <laughs> it's also I loved. I absolutely loved the scene. It was your favorite scene too, where where they're they're coming out in from Maz's uh, club and they're getting captured and and everything. I loved that shot and him flying around and everything. But my favorite part of that scene, or of that little like story part, is Ray like running through the forest and then Kylo catches her. Yeah. I love the way they portray the force and the cinematography of it all. It really gets me. <laughs> when he force holds her in her her arms behind her back, it jams behind her back. It's like shaking the whole screen. It gives you this sense of like nervousness. It makes you like nervous for her, and it makes you uncomfortable in the way that you feel like she would be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Her arms shaking. There's like a constant vibration. It's oh, I agree. Yeah, like it's like physicality of it. Yeah, it, it's I, beautiful. I love it so much. It's, like, a, it's a wonderful portrayal of the dark side of the force because when he's unsure of himself, when he's like second guessing what he's doing, he's not that powerful. He's not that you know uh, uh, able. But in that film or in that in that scene, he's so angry. He's so serious about angsty. what he's doing. I wouldn't even say angry. He's angsty. <laughs> he's angsty. <laughs> that like what's happening is so powerful because you feel you feel her as a powerful character in the film, and he's completely able to control her in that scene because he's so serious about what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think that so to your threat. point and to your point too, the the way that they portrayed the Force in this movie. The way that they actually showed it on screen, I, I thought even starting in the beginning when he, you know, stops the blaster, blaster bolt. bolt. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing too. Oh, it's shit. like everything about Kylo Ren is kind of like the main representation of the dark side of the Force in this film, anyway. It's all. I keep coming back to this idea, this image of shaky, because it is. You know, yeah. it, they're they're trying to portray it as you know, it's. The, the blaster bolt, it, it's real shaky. You know, his lightsaber blade, it's its shaky. You know, it's mm-hmm. the broken crystal. You know, he made the lightsaber out of it. It's like, it, it's, a, it's a cool visual way to, like, reinforce those themes that they're kind of touching on of Kylo Ren not really being comfortable 
with what he's doing 100%. You know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. Like you said, he's not fully confident for a lot of the movie. There's only a couple scenes where you really see that drive. So that's kind of interesting. Ironically, because he's easily the most powerful Sith we've seen on screen so far. Mm-hmm. Well, more powerful than Vader. He's well, very showy, been. though. Sidious had a lot of power, but he he kept a lot of it to himself and used his political gains mm-hmm. more. Yeah, I mean, Sidious like, wasn't that powerful. He was just was good at showy? manipulating. First off, he had a cape. <laughs> second of all, second of all, second of all, he he always chokes out people when there's other people watching. I'm not saying that Vader isn't showy, but Sidious is definitely pretty powerful. But he he never uses his power. He uses I don't know. Influence. He yeah he uses influence a lot, which I guess he could be using power like well, his his like the force and like force influence. Yeah, really. If you read the expanded universe. Anakin didn't choose the cape either. That was all Sidious. <laughs> Sidious was a fashion designer. The cape looks so cool, man. Like, I'm glad you look at all the girls. I feel ridiculous in this. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. Go with it. I'm glad you brought up that shakiness because that's mirrored in the original trilogy. Darth Vader takes these long pauses in a lot of in a lot of scenes where like. Even when he's, like, not saying anything in a scene, he will, like, look in one direction and take a very long pause before he turns. Or a very long pause between things that he says. And that shakiness mirrors that same uncertainty mm-hmm. in this film. That's that's a really big, uh, I don't know, just... I never thought about that before. Interesting, no, man. Really, yeah. That's the end of the, yeah. Eric. So, Eric. Uh, all right, all right. So, um, least favorite scene. Okay, wait. Let's not start with that. Uh, most favorite scene. No, let's start with least favorite. <laughs> least favorite. I'm the... feeling a shakiness here. I'm <laughs> certain. <laughs> there's a there's a part of me that that there's like this very nerdy part of me that wants my least favorite scene to be when they all watch this planet blast this you know this huge death ray. And nobody's eyes melt out of their face because, like, really, like, <laughs> ladies, they're really uh, not happening. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't obviously see, but he does have horn win- horned rim glasses on, so he's a nerd no matter what. But it's a fair complaint. Yeah. I'm not gonna if knock Lucas him. Lucas had directed it; their eyes would have melted and been like Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look away, Miriam. away. But at the same time, though. It also would have, like, melted things for a long distance around it if there wasn't some sort of containment field. Yeah. If, so if you could gonna... just assume that there is some sort of Guys, containment right. and shielding right. because they knew that that Guys, would destroy I, you know, half the as much as I would love Yeah, okay, it, I see. It, as soon as you complain about one thing that is not scientifically accurate <laughs> in Star Wars, it all you're falls you're apart. <laughs> you're you're done. You're start done. to finish. You're done. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It's not even suspension of disbelief. It's just the world they set up. Yeah. It's their it's their science that they don't talk about. It's just there, you know? It's Clearly, normal for them. Far, far away has different science than we do. Because Except when we shoot a guns. gun, we don't go, this is going to let off some gunpowder that will then shoot a bullet that will kill you. <laughs> science! <laughs> science. <laughs> they do have ducks, as established in episode one. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I always remember that. I always said it. My... My thought with that scene, though, is kind of interesting. Is just like how convenient it is because, in order for them to see that death ray that large, like they gotta be pretty close to one another. So, like, yeah. you're 
you know, uh, uh, New Order head base, you know, uh, Star Killer base, First Order. I'm sorry, First Order. Mm-hmm. Don't get wrong. And and your you know Resistance base are pretty close to one another, so it's not like we're talking you know parsecs and parsecs away. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're pretty close, you know, all things considered, because they're seeing the destruction of these planets and moons you know, right before their eyes in, you know, detail. So it's not yeah. like some obscure thing. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it was kind of weird to me that just the, like the brevity of that whole scene, like this is huge. Like I, I would assume millions of people died. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like, trillions. It was it, many. Yeah. Lives. You know, I mean, we're, it you know, seemed more plot devicey than any squillions and squillions of people. What are you, Jason Newstead? Now? Yeah. <laughs> it was a system they destroyed. It wasn't right. just a planet. It was, yeah, it was a stepping up system. The, the, it, it, it increased the stakes Which, of the film. I have to say, apparently in the current expanded universe, the head of the Republic, the capital of the Republic, <laughs> changes. Yeah, it's not Coruscant. It regularly changes. They always pick a new location every so often. Because it, when you think about it, it is a Republic. It's an alliance of all these planets. And it's not fair to put it on one planet. It has mm-hmm. to move around. So it, the, the head of the Republic is It's not fair, and it also changes, like, target. It's not like one planet that can be targeted. Well, but apparently planet. that didn't work for them. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's true. So my real, like, least favorite scene, it's underwhelming, but it was when... Uh, Ray was like jumping between like those those weird okay so like she's inside of the ship and she's jumping in between those like little like expanding platforms that are coming out from the wall oh because it, why it was silly to me was because she was already powerful she was already like powerful in ways that she understood and powerful in ways that like were new to her and then for her to do that just seemed clumsy for her to do that, for her to be like, I'm hiding inside of these parts of the ship, and I'm able to be so acrobatic, like they were. Oh yeah, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna walk out and kill this oh, wait, trooper, stop. and then oh wait, now everyone's coming down they, on top. Wait, they were wait, showing wait, it wait, off. Wait, wait, well, wait. no, they were showing it off more than they needed. I don't to. care if you're Wesley Snipes, you're gonna hide if you're in a enemy no, base full of no, thousands. No, totally, of but they were showing it off more than they needed to. She was already established. As you mean powerful twice? In, they that? showed it twice. twice. It was once where she was getting her into it. She's her power, the second from her time. perspective. Her power, her, 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 like, dominance in the film. Her ability to be, like, she a doesn't main understand driving it yet, force. Though. Oh, I she thought you were talking about her jumping force. around. What's that? No, she is a driving force in the film. And they were, like, they were just showing it off more than they needed to. She had more. You're talking when the, she's going in and out of, the like, the space cabinets, basically. Yeah, she could have yeah, used more luck in that scenario and less... Uh, drive. She could have used a little bit more like, oh, they just fucking missed me, like, ducking in this air vent. Like, air vent seems a little bit more luck-based, and her, like, climbing down the side of this chasm. That's part of the thing, though, is that she understands Imperial technology, so she knew knew how to hide. It's not like she she was on a Star Destroyer. I didn't even catch that. Now, here's the thing, though. She originally, she didn't act like she knew where that was mm-hmm. she did get lucky no she, because she climbed oh, over that yeah. ledge because the stormtroopers were walking down the hall she looks down and she sees that lever and she's like "Ooh," and, and climbs down and you know what right now i agree with you guys i see the validity of that scene but it just felt like as far as what it was establishing for her character it was unnecessary she already had established all of her power and intuitive 
use of the force. I mean, every scene and every action doesn't have to be establishing something about a character. It, it, be it, does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Because they come out, they come Otherwise out so it's much. Otherwise, Otherwise it's cars rolling around it's on It's progressing shit. the story. It's not... It's mm. not characters are more important than story. <sighs> that doesn't mean you need no story progression in the, in the movie. <laughs> the characters <laughs> progress the story. Let's argue about the basic elements. Anyway, okay. we don't <laughs> have enough time to argue about I'm going to end it real quick. I'm going to end it real quick. Favorite scene because somebody already you already said uh, the the shaky bolt that Kylo Ren suspended at the beginning that was my first moment of being like oh they're not gonna fuck this up they're gonna make this good in a new way yeah. like that was new and old all at the same time and it was wonderful and powerful but like honestly like one of the most wonderful things again underwhelming but it really hit me was when. Chewie saw Han die yeah. and fired that bolt at Kylo Ren. Oh, yeah. The power of that moment in the film was huge. That was the first moment that really I just felt like an offbeat of my heart in the mm-hmm. film. And I just, oh, God, it really hit me when he did that. You're yeah. still wrong, but... That made okay. the film. I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw, too, it, like, it was like a, a, a meme comic. I, I know what did. you're talking did, about. Did you see that one? And it shows, like young Kylo Ren or, or Ben Solo at that point um, like you know growing up around Chewie and they're he was like, Uncle you know, Chewie yeah like yeah. They're, they're hanging out they're doing stuff like showing him his bolt caster and everything else like that and then it shows you know right after Kylo Ren kills Han it shows <laughs> Chewie you know with his bolt caster and he's got the crosshairs right on Kylo Ren's head and then Absolutely. it sees him it goes back to Chewie's face and then he you know, it goes back to the scope and you see it in his side and he shoots him. Yeah, and I was just like, wow, there's some silly little comic. Like, they totally encapsulated that entire scene. Absolutely. That's Chewie's entire character. They play him up. Everybody. Why do you think they go to the effort to have everyone mention how violent Wookiees are? Because Chewie is an empathetic character. He's very like, oh, yeah. oh my God, I don't want to rip your arms off. There's no but way he would have Exactly. He did that. He has a cry of pain because he doesn't want to do this. But you just killed my best fucking friend. Yeah. You know. What I, oh, sorry. And he just you know, <laughs> yeah. he blasts I'm that sure off. You, I'm pretty sure you dropped that bomb at least five times. Sorry. And he blasts that off. Yeah, it's yeah. such a painful moment for him. I didn't. I didn't even think of that. That like he would have known. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that was really cool. When I saw that comedy, I just was on nine gag and I was scrolling down. And I yeah. see it and I looked at it and. I had to go through it a couple times, but when I saw it again and I thought of the scene in context in the movie, it's yeah. like, yeah, he wouldn't have, he would have easily just killed him, but yeah. obviously they have history, which I'm assuming That's we're going to, so when we get cool. into the next two movies, they're going to explore a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I, love, I never thought of that. How did I not think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I was so caught up in everything else that happens in that scene. The, like, the, the cinematography is great and the lighting is great oh, and everything yeah. and the, like, the shadowing is great and... I just like how did I not think of that? The, the walkway is great. The catwalk yeah. is great. Everything. <laughs> Everything. I love that like that the, the you know, the light shining in on his face and they're showing and he's like, I need I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And then it's just like you know, the, the last bits of that sun get sucked and in. And it becomes red. And it just and the red light comes in and it just looks back at his face and it's just he's just blanketed in well, red all of a sudden. With that like, scene, like mm. part of me I, I knew I knew what they were gonna do. I knew that they were going to go there, but that scene, I think it suspends that sense of like hope for, you know, till the last second. Like you almost feel like, yeah. okay, 
Kylo's going to give Han that lightsaber. They're going to go home. They're going to go hang out at the Rebel base. Like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) And just the... And then, yeah, like, that last moment when all the sunlight is just sucked out of the room. You see his eyes go black, and it's just like, oh, Mm. shit, you know. More yeah. than you know it, it just it makes you think of it. Yeah, it's like it's like they could just end this. Yeah, it's like you'd think this is father and son. They Come on, go play the catch right now. But they <laughs> don't get, don't get out of here. Never go have a snowball fight or something. Come on, you don't need to do this. It's like if anyone really can do it, it's Han. If anyone can do it, it's Han, and you're just like so ready. Mm. My least favorite scene. I I've been very vocal about it as everybody else said it I just feel like that could have been so much more you had these big factions and then you ended up just making it this goofy Wrath Tars Wrath Tars oh, you Rath- it out. I keep calling it Wrath Tars I thought it was Wrath Tars I just remembered it. it's Wrath Tars I think Finn and Han were pronouncing Rath-tar. them differently no they, they both said Wrath Tars the only thing that's pronounced differently throughout the entire film is Jakku every single character says Jakku differently that's Ooh. funny but which is which makes it like it shows realistic. how insignificant Jakku is. <laughs> it makes it realistic. People say, yeah, things differently. Yeah, some say Earth, some say E Earth. Well, technically our planet's <laughs> technically our planet's called Terra. Terra. By all technical the solar systems, name is Terra. But I say Earth first and foremost. Right, but if aliens show up, they'll say Terra. So, wasn't a fan of the Raptors. Yes. Favorite scene is when Finn and Phasma are in the carrier, and mm. Finn's freaking out, and he takes his helmet off, and he's like trying to collect himself. And Phasma walks in, and she says the one line that was my favorite in the whole movie, which was, "Who told you you could take your helmet off?" It oh, just god. created this entire world for me of, "Oh my god." That's why they're consistently wearing armor. That's why, like, it just built so much on all of this, and it strips the individualism. Exactly, they're not allowed to take their helmets off. It makes sense of it retroactively, like the way that, like, the prequel, like, ripped up some of what you believed in. This reestablishes your faith in previous films. This makes what you loved about the original trilogy stronger. It makes it, it like it adds to that yeah. of why they're running around on a base that is perfectly secure with their full armor. Yeah. It's not for security. It's not yeah. for anything. It's, it's yeah. purely for their indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just I added so that, much yeah, to the film. That's a very good point. Yeah, that was the one thing that, like, I think I've mentioned it to like. Mm-hmm. I know I've had the conversation with Mark. Before. Yeah, we talked about well, it because that about, that stood we all out talked to me about too. After the night I, was I, like, I loved yeah. that. Oh, man that like I forget about it you know when you're talking all the, about all the key points like I don't think of that yeah but it's a in small the, in the scene, movie but it's got it was big such repercussions. <laughs> yeah when I saw that's it right, I remember being like holy that. shit that was that was we, we that's crazy so like, on this film already and I, I just I feel like I want to just actually start dipping into all of the, the various characters but yeah I uh, I think this would be a good point to to cut it off and yeah uh Next episode, I think we might have to do a part two of The Force Awakens. <laughs> really quick, still before we leave, about, yeah. I do have that Han Solo shortlist. If you guys want to talk about that for like five minutes before we're off, we'll give it a Han few minutes. Yeah, we'll say yay or nay, I guess. I mean, wait, All right, wait, let's let's wait. Let's do it. Let's go around the circle. Yay or nay for each name I read off here. 
Wait, wait, let's do your year and a, and then let's also say, like, the topic that we all want to talk about in the next podcast. So that we read... Uh, well, like I one don't know thing what that I we, want to talk about. Well, if we have something, if we have something. So please, well, Ben, what was your thing? <laughs> All right, so this is the short list for the new Han Solo origin movie that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> uh, I agree. I, I agree with them, They should not be you, making You can't. It's, there's one actor. Lure is. Here's one actor the, for 40 years. You just don't replace The yeah. first one. Colin, you start the A's or nays. Miles Teller. Nay. 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 All right, we're all in agreement. This guy I don't know. Ansel Elgort. I have no idea. I cannot give you a year. Who is Ansel Elgort? He's I will give you Maybe that's a, a good thing. My uh, my favorite of this list, Dave Franco. Nay. Nay. <laughs> nay. So this is a legitimately nay. leaked shortlist for the Hansel image. All, these are all legitimate oh, considerations. Oh Can I say nay to the list? <laughs> only like, only uh, if James Franco can play Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm in! But no makeup or prosthetics. It's just James Franco <laughs> with like, the yeah, belt on. And he just walks up and he's like, what's Ooh. up, Han? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, not, another guy I don't oh, know. Oh, Jack Rayner. Nah, Jack okay. Rayner. That sounds thing. like Jack a stereotypical name. I've looked at some of these lists, and I've looked uh, at a lot of like the like the headshots of the actors that they have in mind to portray Han Solo, and I just feel like it's such an iconic role that Harrison Ford just completely embodied. Yeah. That I right. feel like any actor, any young actor that they try to bring in, it, it's gonna be it, it's uh, just a lesson in failure. It's We've not seen a young Han Solo movie. Yeah. It's called Star Wars: The Original Trilogy. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. you can do a younger Boba Fett movie, and I will accept it wholeheartedly. Hell yeah! I, I, I see thought it, of this. Han Solo, you cannot. Yeah, I no. thought of this at length, and I think Colin and I talked about it uh, previously. That the only way. It would work for me, and it would be a stretch, too, because, again, you have to get the casting right on the young Han Solo, which I don't think you can do. But if they could do it, if they could find someone that could pull that off and that could embody that character like Harrison Ford did you know, now and in his heyday, I think it would be really cool if they did something where it was like an older Han Solo and he was narrating it and it was like a noir. Or it was like a That'd completely cool. different yeah, genre. Just... You know, it, it, was, it was like, yeah, young Han Solo, like... You know, experiencing all these things, but it was told in a way that kind of subverted like a lot of the you know traditional expectations of like almost Star like Wars. him well, Kasdan, stories. Yeah, Kasdan has said it, it would be different. That would be cool. But so, again, you'd, we'll the see. person you have is young Han Solo. They the challenge is they have to embody this character without it seeming almost like a parody, because well, it'd be so easy just to be like you know, oh yeah, I, I can do a really good Han Solo impression, but who's gonna buy it? You know, and yeah. you've got these people at this point who've been following the character since 1977. Mm. We're gonna be like, okay, no, you know, this is someone doing their best <laughs> solo impression. I because do like they that, brought him uh, back. You cannot replace him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I do like that they they announced that they won't do the crawl for the. No, oh, they officially announced that. They did. Yeah. That's good. I don't think anthology films the need what them. the crawl. The, crawl. What? the opening crawl. The big fanfare. The yellow text scrolling up. They're not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. That that's a, a Star one. Wars thing. Which yeah. right. to, to bring that to other films kind of takes it's away. Right. It lasts inside right. cheap. Yeah. By the way, is anyone else? Uh, you guys all well, hey, I'm excited for. Rogue I'll one. finish this up really quick so that we can talk about that. Um, really quick, the rest of them people we don't know: Scott mm-hmm. Eastwood, Logan Lerman, Emery Cohen, Blake Lerman. Jenner. 
But here's the interesting tidbit of information. This comes from Variety, by the way, so we're citing our, our sources. Uh, Han Solo will appear in Rogue One. No. Is the rumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes out, and then the Han Solo film comes out May 25th, 2018. That's all I got for you on that one. I don't, I don't think it should be done. Put any of the main. They're talking about Vader in Rogue One too. Vader is rumored. Okay, Vader in Rogue One. I can I can see that. And James Earl Jones is still alive, so he could do the voice. (laughs) He doesn't sound anything like he used to. Yeah, Uh, computers are wonderful. (laughs) Just like uh, Hayden Christensen yelled. (laughs) That was James Earl Jones. No, that was totally James Earl Jones. It was. It was uncredited. It was James Earl Jones. So, so, yeah. so, Colin, is there... Is Hayden, <laughs> that tells you how much his voice has changed. George Lucas is, Hayden, so, I need you to say no, but you also need to speak through... No! Yeah. <laughs> that sounds just like it! Yeah. I need you to speak into a beer bottle. <laughs> yeah. Hundreds of million dollars, you know, budget, but... <laughs> they asked Hayden, but he said say, no. Say Killian's, <laughs> maybe we can get sponsored, you know, you never know. Yeah. So Colin, like what do you wanna like what's the one topic and let's not get into it. Resist. <laughs> Hold yourselves. What's your one don't, like don't get into it. What's your topic that you want to discuss next time so that everybody can think about it? Uh well, aside from continuing the Force Awakens, I would love to at this point. But uh, yeah, in relation to the Force uh, Awakens, yeah, I honestly, there's so much going on with the Expanse, mm-hmm. uh, this new show on Sci-Fi that's being heralded as the the return of Sci-Fi to mm-hmm. the small screen. I I would I would be interested in doing that. So you'd love to like transition into that. We start with the Force Awakens and then transition into the Expanse. I don't think right. we can. <laughs> no, we can't the way that I understood much. what you <laughs> just said, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't mean to embarrass Colin, but did you mean the <laughs> topic in the Force Awakens? Yeah, that, that was what I was about? saying. Okay. I like where he's going. I do too. We maybe like we. we oh, you want to continue a topic in the within the Force Awakens? I thought you wanted to do a part two of the Force Awakens. I would love yeah. to. I would actually yeah. like I'm to break down each of the characters. Make it do okay. what they brought Ooh. to the film. Okay. Oh, oh, I love it. All right, great. Um. I would like to talk about potential threads or things in The Force Awakens that we think will have a bigger importance going into the rest of the trilogy. And my number one thing would be Snoke. That is my big takeaway from the first movie. Who is Snoke? Why is Snoke? Number two. Where is smoke? That's a big thing. Where is smoke? Where is smoke? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where is smoke? Turns out smoke is actually inside Leia's uterus. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly enough. Ben. Uh, I will put together. Bring Kylo Ren to me. (laughs) 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 He's got a lot of weird. I will put together a formal essay regarding the Knights of Ren, what they mean for Episode Eight and Nine, and why Rey will not be the only trained Jedi in this trilogy. Who are the others? Tune in next time. (laughs) Mark. Uh. I want to talk about how excited we were about Phasma and what we wanted her to be and what Ooh. we're hoping she will be. Ooh, it's not too late. It's not Real too late. Good. I think everyone here appreciates Gwendolyn Christie. So I yeah, know. right? Well, That's her name, right? Like Gwendolyn? Gwendolyn yeah, Christie. Jesus, I didn't have enough of a crush already. Get out of here. <laughs> Eric? Um, why, is there, why is there snow 
during the most impactful scene, probably like on average, of the film. Like when they're doing their lightsaber duel, when they're blowing up a planet, when they're doing all this shit. Why is there snow? Is it a rehash of Hoth? Because it, it sounds like Snoke. Is it purity? Is it is it just because of the crispness that it brings to the film uh, cinematically? Why is there snow? I would interesting. Actually, this wait, we can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. That does kind of lead into mine where the the parallels to spit it out. We're running out of time. Ah! <laughs> like Knights of the Round Table. Kind of stuff. Ooh, right. Knights of Ren. Oh, you want to analyze the art, like the art, yes. Uh, which exactly, one of the which is I have, I have heard many that people is, compare it to that. Yep. And that's I think why the snow was there. Okay. Is it brings you to like a London kind of setting. Okay. But right. but that's honestly that was one of the biggest things of the film that I love the way that it not only paralleled the originals but it also brought in an entire new feel. By saying, like, the originals, the Jedi were given a very, you know, samurai feel. That was exactly what... Thank you for listening to our uh, very first uh, episode of Sci-Fi Cross Sections. Um, this has been part one of our review of The Force Awakens, and we're clearly going to move on to part two. Once again, thank you. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.